Why should I be frightened of dying? You know reason for it, you better go sometimes. Hello, welcome to the Sam Reed's Near-Death Experiences podcast. Hope you all are doing well wherever you are. Uh, I wanted to get this episode out um, because next weekend I'm heading to Peru to see Machu Picchu. So uh, shout out to any of you who are listening listening in Peru. I'll be down in your neck of the woods here uh, in a little bit. So um, today we are going to read a near-death experience <laughs> near-death experience um, by a woman named Stephania. This near-death experience happened in uh, 1976, so it's it's a ways back. Um, and essentially, Stephania had a heart condition that um, uh, she, she was fine. You know, she didn't have any symptoms or anything, but um, they discovered it. And when she was 16, the doctors said that she needed to have a surgery to, to fix it or later on, later on down the road there would be some serious health issues that came along with it. So um, they had the surgery and she had a near-death experience. And uh, a kind of cool aspect of this, of this story is that she forgets the near-death experience and then is able to recall it um, 11 years later and, and kind of always had this feeling of... of uh, this uh, surgery being the most important event of her life. So it's kind of got this cool, uh, you know, hidden memory kind of aspect to it. Um, so I think we'll just hop right in. Um, I know this is kind of a brief introduction, but um, I just uh, want to get right into it. Uh, a quick thanks to all the new listeners who are checking out the podcast. I hope you enjoy it. Um, so here we go. Um, without any further ado, here is Stephania's near-death experience. I was born with a congenital heart defect, which means there's a hole between the two atria of the heart. This condition mixes venal and arterial blood. I never experienced any symptoms from the condition and it never put my life in danger. The unusual thing is that in my case, the exact diagnosis was made one month before my 16th birthday. Up until that time, all the cardiologists had been mistaken and had tried other cures. My cardiopathy had been diagnosed during the first years of my life. The cardiologist, the only and first one, who had diagnosed me correctly was surprised at how I had lived to almost 16 years of age in perfect health. I had total vitality with my body full of life and without ever having had any idea that I was ill. My heart had never shown any signs that it was working overtime or was even out of balance. The doctor immediately was very firm and determined to talk to my parents about operating on me right away. He said that if I didn't get the operation, I would encounter irreversible heart problems. I was going to be operated on without having had any symptoms and purely for preventative reasons 
This would guarantee me a healthy life without the need for therapies and medications. In fact, my clinical file reads surgically cured. In that doctor's office, face to face with the cardiologist who was deciding where and when I should be operated on, my mind refused the idea of having a heart operation. In the two months leading up to the surgical intervention, I had felt a great anguish and was convinced that I would die. I was a 16-year-old girl, and for me, the heart was linked with my romantic ideas of love. I was convinced that one couldn't keep on living as though nothing had happened to open the heart and make it work. Among other things, I didn't accept the idea that I needed this operation, since I was fine and had no health problems, despite the cardiologist's urgings. This concept of being operated on in order to prevent problems and any future heart damage did not fit in with my way of thinking and reasoning or seeing life at 16 years of age. I had researched the current surgical techniques that they would be using and the fact that the surgeon was going to take his time operating on me, taking all the time that he needed, frightened me even more. The picture of me lying on an operating table with my heart temporarily stopped and my thoracic cavity void of blood confirmed my conviction that I would certainly die there. Now. I will describe the circumstances of the experience that I went through. The heart surgery had been finished for some hours. It was a normal procedure, after which I was taken into the intensive care. In a different type of hospital bed, I was hooked up to all kinds of monitors that were continuously registering all the different physiological activities of each organ but I was no longer in my body. I floated without weight or physicality. I was above my body and directly below the ceiling of the intensive therapy room. I observed the scene that was taking place below me. I say below me and want to specify that I am not referring to only to a physical or logistical position. I who no longer was the body that had belonged to me just a moment prior, found myself in a position which was energetically more elevated. It was a place that had nothing to do with any kind of earthly or material experience. I was a pure expression of existence and existed on a different level and in a different dimension. From this dimension, I observed everything that was happening and all the succeeding events without being involved. As I was floating free like this, without thought or physical limitations, I experienced a feeling of infinite, supreme blessedness or happiness that was independent of any external factors. I felt myself float in this blessed place, and I was the blessed space. I floated freely, without purpose and direction. I existed, and that was it. At the same time, I experienced an extremely alive and vigilant state of mind. I understood at a very deep level 
what was happening on the other plane of existence, the place where the body that had belonged to me and that was now intubated on the hospital bed in intensive care. The thought was very lucid and came through immediate knowing. It was a very different way of thinking from which I had experienced while on earth. I recognized the body as mine, but was no longer interested. I was not that body. I felt very good where I was now, and was very surprised at the spectacle that was happening around the body which had belonged to me. I watched the spectacle, but it wasn't my physical eyes that saw everything the doctors were doing. I looked on with my whole being. I was having the experience from a state of consciousness which completely pervaded my being, and I perceived everything from that vantage point. I knew that the doctors were making a big deal to get me back from where I was. I knew that other surgeons had arrived from other wards to help out, but I did not want to return from where I was. I was floating in a dimension which was enveloped in a soft celestial light, very rarefied. It was a light full of quiet and peace. It expressed unconditional bliss without end. I was free from being. Here everything was heavenly. I was enveloped in heaven. In this dimension I simply was. I was experiencing the fact of existing. And this experience was happening on another level of existence. I knew with all my being that I was in a dimension outside of time and space, and I didn't want to return to my body. I didn't understand the agitation coming from all the doctors who were surrounding the body which had belonged to me and with which I now wanted nothing to do. I remember thinking, why are they persisting so much? What is their problem? I'm fine where I am. I knew I didn't want to go back into the body because I didn't want to face up to everything that was waiting for me on earth. Even if I didn't know what was waiting for me, I knew with absolute certainty that it wouldn't be anything like the peace that I was experiencing where I was. Nothing could ever be as perfect and soft like this heavenly condition of absolute and faraway bliss in which I was floating. But they brought me back into the body and back to earth. When I opened my eyes back in the body on earth, I was in intensive therapy and I didn't remember my experience. I didn't remember anything. I did, however, know for sure that I had returned from a journey and I knew this journey had lasted a long time and yet it was only for an instant. All the commotion by the outside doctors was verified. Normally when one wakes up from a surgery like mine, one cannot speak. In general, one retains this faculty after about 24 hours, but I was talking right away. While I was talking and laughing with the doctors who were all around me, I suddenly sensed an uncontrollable urge to help the woman who was in the bed next to mine. She had been operated on after me. 
I will always remember the communication she and I had. It was a communication that came without speaking or words, through our eyes and thoughts. She had begged me to help her. She was very cold and couldn't speak because, as I have explained, she couldn't ask the doctors for a blanket. That's why she asked me as I had been euphorically speaking with the doctors to get it for her. I was euphorically speaking even though I wasn't remembering my near-death experience. Evidently, this blissful energy still vibrated within me. I was very happy to have been able to help another living being. I remember feeling very strongly that I had this desire to be of service to others, and this lady was giving me the opportunity. Still today, I remember the vivid look of gratitude that she gave me when they covered her up. I felt a momentum of love and a very strong compassion. At the same time, I felt so much older than my barely 16 years of age. I had always been timid and insecure. A year before, I had begun my first romance. At least that's what I was thinking up until that moment. But in that instant when they revived me after the operation, in the same instant that I was having that experience with the woman next to me, that's when I perceived that I had returned from a long trip in which I had journeyed very far and yet so close. I also knew that I had grown up in that one instant and that the girl that I had been fine with was no longer the one I wanted. I wanted something else but I didn't know what. During this time, the doctors were telling my parents that there had been 10 minutes during which they were seriously preoccupied with me since my heart hadn't been responding to their stimuli. From that moment on, and for the next 11 years, I did not remember the experience. But every time I talked about the heart operation, I knew somehow that it had been the most important experience of my life, but I couldn't remember why I felt that way. Every time I talked about it, I was filled with such emotion which made me cry. From that moment on, I was no longer afraid of death, although I didn't understand why. On the contrary, I explained it to myself rationally. I endured and survived that type of operation the doctors had initiated a type of clinical death, so why should I now fear death? After the hospital, I started up my life, but I was no longer the same person. Things, friends, and my pastimes of before no longer satisfied me. I was restless, unsatisfied, and I began searching for something. Only one thing was clear. I wanted to be of service to others. I wanted to be like that time with that woman in the intensive care, and more than that. I thought I was fulfilling that yearning by enrolling in the Department of Medicine so as to become a heart surgeon. But my path would not turn out to be that one. The memory of that state of awareness during the heart operation really was a revival of my being to our very nature. And from there, the guiding thread of the events of my life began and became my guide.
I was trying to make sense of everything so that I could frame the events of that fascinating adventure in the proper context. The mysterious and surprising thing that is the life that I decided to live on this earth in this body. Then, 11 years after the heart operation and after having gone through a lightning bolt marriage with an immediate separation, I began a courageous journey of self-discovery. This search would yield all the reasons and truth as to why and how I ended up at the altar with someone who was the opposite person to me that I could have ever met. I started psychotherapy to manage the stress, frustration, anxiety, dismay, and loss of a marriage. I had barely begun and immediately ended with a divorce looming ahead. After just a few therapy sessions, I experienced the first in a series of what I would define with the unique term, awakening of conscience. I re-experienced what happened in the operating room 11 years ago. It was the same experience. Suddenly, I heard a muffled sound in my left ear. I was delicately thrown out of my body. Afterwards, every time that it happened again, I recognized in the small deafness the vibration of creation, the Om. From this new perspective, being outside of my body, I landed at the edge of another dimension of existence. It was a dimension above time and space, where everything that exists is bliss, harmony, freedom, and perfection. Everything that happens is perfect because it accords perfectly with the cosmic order in which we all take part. In an instant, I knew that the life we live is an illusion. It's not real because it's a creation of our minds. We continually create thoughts and then project these thoughts outside of the mind, just as cinematic frames are projected onto a screen. In that moment, I knew that real life is something other than what we think it is. We are all expressions of a love energy. It is from which we come and where we are destined to return so as to merge once again in the original oneness which our minds make us believe we have lost. This place is paradise and our union with the all. In my first experience, and also in all the succeeding ones, I experience a state of merging with the all, the one which the oriental traditions define as samadhi, or state of cosmic merging. So I lived the experience of fusion with creation many more times. The first experience was at 16 years of age. Even if the veil of forgetfulness swallowed it up for a while, the trace of it was always alive inside me and drove me again to the revelation of the truth of existence. I had the experience of merging with everything that lives and vibrates in this universe. I felt myself one with the mountains which were in front of me, with the lakes. I felt one with the sea and the tides. I felt there was no separation between me and the clouds. While I was in this experience, I communicated with humans and animals. I knew what other people were thinking and what they were feeling. 
I knew who was behind closed doors, and I remained in that state of merging for days and days. To sum it up, I can say that I received the gift of the experience of being back and joined with the all. I carried the awareness that this all is one unique energy which goes from a refined level and down through increasingly denser levels according to the mental state which is having the experience. Thanks to the gifts of reliving the experience, I know that life is eternal and unbroken and that death, the way we see it on earth, doesn't exist. It's only a trip to another plane of existence. From my first experience up until today, I am understanding that every day that I live on the earth, in this body, I am to experience joy and bliss here. The lives we live on earth don't happen by chance. Our lives are a direct consequence of what the mind creates. I am here on earth to open up my heart every day to unconditional love. I am here in this body to leave behind every remaining fear and attachment. I am here on earth to express every day the joy that I am. I am here to discover here and now how much more space for freedom lies deep within me. I am here to learn freedom and expand it throughout the world around me. I am here on earth to live happiness and lightness of being. I am here in this body and in this dimension of space and time to learn that each and every moment is the only reality which exists. Everything else is an illusion created by thoughts created by the mind. I am here to remember that in every moment I can rediscover who I really am and that I am here to have fun and to play because this world is the joyful creation of the divine. I am here on this earth because I have the full and holy right to do everything that makes me happy and it is my duty to create even more joy in order to contribute to the expansion and the happiness of all and everything in creation. I came into this body on this earth to be lighthearted and carefree here and now. Okay, so that was Stephania's near-death experience. I thought it was very fascinating. It has a lot of the common features of many near-death experiences, which I'm sure if you've listened to a couple of these episodes you are familiar with by now. Um, she was floating above her body, uh, first and foremost, and went into this realm of light and joy and bliss. Um, she she uh, didn't identify with her body anymore. She was watching the doctors and um, it's kind of like, what are they doing? Why are they trying to bring me back? I'm, I'm fine where I am, um, which is a sentiment that you often hear in these stories. Um, and she also, she didn't really want to return to earth. She said she didn't want to face up to the, the things that she had to do on earth or something. And, uh, um, which means she has some kind of purpose to fulfill. Um, and then a interesting aspect of this near death experience is that, 
um, she, when she wakes up, she forgets it. She, the experience itself becomes unconscious. She, she knows that there's something important that happened, that she came back from an important voyage, a journey, um, but she can't remember what it was. It's, she's like repressed it or something. And, uh, this kind of ties into my current, uh, obsession with psychology and psycho psychoanalysis because um, she 11 years later by going through uh, psychotherapy she is able to recover this experience that she had and it was unconscious but also influencing her deeply like another very common uh, side effect shall we say of near-death experiences is that um, the person that comes back from the near-death experience is not the same person that, that died. Um, she changes, you know, her hobbies, her friends, her romantic interests. She, uh, uh, it completely changes her as a person. And, of course, the one thing that you get most commonly from near-death experiences is she's no longer afraid of death. But she has these issues and uh, she's trying to figure them out, and so she does uh, some psychotherapy sessions and is able to relive the experience. Um, and then she says several days she uh, goes into this state of um, merging with the one, uh, with creation or something, and, uh, and with the all. So by examining her life and... I, I don't know exactly. She's not very clear what what caused it. She she termed it a awakening of conscience, but she, by somehow getting into herself, she is able to relive this experience and then, well, first remember the experience she had, but then relive it and continue it, um, and let it affect her and change her life again something she had been carrying around unconsciously um, for a long time. I thought that was really cool. And um, I particularly liked the uh, bit where she was saying that um, life as we know it is an illusion and that we just project our thoughts out onto the world. And that rang true for me because I don't know how many times I've seen either myself or other people like projecting their feelings and pain out into the world and not reacting to what's really happening, but more reacting to their own thoughts. Like if you think of someone throwing a fit in a restaurant over some little thing, it's it's not about the little mess up that happened. It's about that person's pain and uh, unconsciousness being projected out into the world. Um so I thought that was really fascinating. Although I do, I do want to emphasize a slight, uh, a slight, uh, I think a a better way to read the whole. One way to read the whole life is an illusion thing is to say, oh well, nothing, <laughs> nothing matters. You know, you know, this isn't the place. I'm just going to go merge with the one um, for the rest of my life or something. But. I think it's important to remember that even uh, uh, the Buddha, when he reached enlightenment, came back to earth so he could help others 
reach that state. So it's one thing to see life in, as an illusion, but you also have to realize that you're here for a reason, and you have to be you have to have the responsibility um, to fulfill your purpose and to help others. She talks a lot about the joy and bliss, and uh, you know how that happy she is and and spreading happiness and everything and it's just important to remember that with all that joy and bliss comes the responsibility of not to make things worse i think we can turn this place that we live on uh this place that we live into heaven or hell with each action we make and so we have to be aware we can't be unconscious we can't be uh, sleepwalking through life. We have to be very, very aware of each action we do and uh, try to do the right thing and follow our conscience, follow that voice that guides us in order to uh, help make this place better instead of worse. So I really enjoyed her, her story. Um, I thought it was really cool, and I hope you enjoyed it as well. So thank you all for listening. Um, I have uploaded two more podcast episodes up onto YouTube. Um, the Facebook page, uh, Sam Reed's Near-Death Experiences Podcast, is growing, so check it out. Um, I also wanted to plug, uh, if you all are interested in following what I do on a day-to-day basis, you can uh, check out my Instagram, which is at the Timberlion, um, and reach out to me on there. It'd be uh, great to get in touch with you all. And uh, also, if you want to send me an email, you can do so at samreadsneardeathexperiences at gmail.com. So now, as always, it is time to end with a quote on death. Uh, This quote comes courtesy of Arthur Schopenhauer, uh, the famous German philosopher. And it is from his uh, Councils and Maxims. Uh, And it is as follows. Each day is a little life, every waking and rising a little birth, every fresh morning a little youth, every going to rest and sleep a little death.